This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hello and welcome to the Girl Fit Method podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Wakefield, and I am here to help you take charge of your health, get empowered, and ultimately become the best version of yourself. Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast fam. On today's podcast episode, I'm very excited to bring you a conversation I had with emotional well-being coach Beck Antonucci. We talk a lot about vulnerability, overcoming your fears and really allowing those fears to propel you forward to become the best version of yourself. But before we get into that podcast episode, I do want to let you know that moving into the month of February 2023, we have six spots left open for our coaching. I don't really talk a lot about our coaching on the podcast, but I thought it might be really good to let you know if you've been listening for a while that we do offer coaching, one-on-one coaching. So we have some amazing coaches, which you probably know because you've heard them on the podcast, Coach Julie and Coach Vanessa. And what we're really passionate about is really educating and empowering women to take hold of their health really understand what their body needs in order to achieve their goals and really up-level their mindset and their life in every single aspect. I will be popping our application form in the podcast show notes. That is a completely obligation-free application form. So if you are curious, go down, fill it out. And if you have more questions, please send me a DM. I love hearing from you guys and I'd be more than happy to answer any of your questions. And just lastly, we still have the Gymshark voucher competition running. So if you leave a rating or a view on the podcast, make sure you email it to me or send me a DM. You will go into the running to win a $100 Gymshark voucher. All right, guys, let's get stuck into the conversation with Beck. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Fit Method podcast. So on today's podcast episode, I have the incredible Beck Antonucci. Did I pronounce that right, Beck? Yes, I did, didn't I? Oh my God, you did so good. I'm so proud of you. Bravo. Awesome. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Beck is an emotional well-being coach and I'm super excited to have a really incredible conversation with you. You are an incredible person with a very powerful story. Uh, But first of all, how has your day been? Oh my God, my day has been so good. It was my partner's birthday on the weekend. So he's recovering in bed and I'm like, I've been so productive today. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's been there watching Netflix and eating all the things. And I'm feeling a bit sorry for himself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just on my computer getting it all done. Awesome. I love that. And I know you've just come back from Bali. Did you go over to Bali to celebrate? Was part of that to celebrate your partner's birthday? No, I went over to Bali as a little treat and trip to myself to inspire some internal creativity, to connect with the support coach from my women's group program. She's over there uh, to do like some team building and you know, some creative ideas together for things that we're planning as a part of the program. And then also to plan a retreat that's coming up at the end of the year. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, so it was a solo trip. Oh, I love solo trips. I uh, forgot because my partner and I cultivated our relationship in COVID that yeah. I couldn't do anything there uh, anywhere yeah. during that time. So I just accepted that like, well, I'm stuck in Perth. But now that the borders are open and we can go anywhere, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot that the thing that really creates deep connection within me is solo travel. So I'm trying to get my little trips where I can. I love that. That is so good. Well, look, you've inspired me. That's the number one piece of advice 
um, I've been given, I've had a long-term relationship end and everyone has said to me, travel alone, travel, travel solo. So that's on the bucket list for me as well. It sounds like, I, I think I'd enjoy it I too. Love it. I love it so much. My partner was like, he, he thinks that you should travel in partnership. He's like, go and be single if you want to be single. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not about being single. No. I just love, I love going to a place and being able to explore and, just being on my own, having a coffee by myself. Yeah. I think especially when you work, I work with so many people. I love that. I love being with with humans. Humans energize me. And I also just love being by myself. Yeah. I think that's such a good trait to have. Like you've got to, obviously relationships and community is so important, but the ability to be on your own and, and enjoy your own company is so pivotal. But look, I think we could chat about that longer. I want to first get into your story. Like I said, you've got a really powerful story. So I'm going to hand it over to you. How did you really get to where you are today? Mm, um, so I'm going to make this super short because this could go forever, but I was bullied in high school and I didn't realize at the time that was the most traumatic thing that had happened for me that shaped the trajectory of my life going forward. It created a deep core wound of rejection within me and I was deeply fearful of women. And from that place, I didn't realize that I was avoiding looking at the emotional pain because I had no idea what subconscious limiting beliefs were. I had no idea what deep emotional pain was. I just knew that I never wanted to go back to that place that I had once been for five years. Um, And so I ran from the bullying, from the trauma, from the shame, from the shame of I attempted to take my own life at age 14. And I tried to repair myself by searching for things outside of myself so that I could fit in and be accepted. And the more that I ran from the emotional pain of being rejected and hurt by all of those women, the more that pain kept entering my life. When I was 19, my first boyfriend physically assaulted me. Um, When I was 21, I came back from overseas with a horror overseas breast surgery. I started getting heavily into fitness, disordered eating, bodybuilding, fitness modeling, competitive dieting, um, restrictive dieting for photo shoots and competitions. And when I was on that high of feeling empowered by the diet, I thought that I was healed and repaired. And as soon as I fell off the diet wagon, all of my trauma would come flashing to the surface and I'd have to look at it and feel more unworthy than ever before. And I just didn't know how to help myself. I didn't know where to turn or who to turn to to support myself to break through everything that I feared. And at 25, I left a relationship and sat with a man who was one of my close friends who promised me that he was STI free. And he ended up transmitting the herpes virus to me. And that was at the time the most pain I had ever entered, like all of my fears of never being chosen, not being loved, not being worthy, not being accepted by society, being rejected by society. They all flew to the surface and I could no longer avoid it because herpes, if you've ever been on the receiving end of it, it can be so emotionally triggering triggering and feel so isolating that I could no longer run from my pain. And that was essentially the start of my self-development, self-introspection, self-love journey, because I knew that running from all my problems didn't work. And now I had to look within to heal myself. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. So I would, I guess, I'm just thinking about that journey from, I guess, at 25, getting that to where you are now would have been not always smooth sailing and probably a rocky road, but a lot of lessons learned along the way. I was kind of hearing like throughout that that you had reached out to all of these external things that you felt probably would distract you from the pain that was inside. 
And then when those things you realize, you know, those things don't really fulfill you and they don't fix the problem, you're left there once again with that trauma, with the low self-esteem, self-hatred, self-loathing. And it does, it compounds over time where the longer you leave it, almost the deeper it becomes. So I guess at 25 here in that position, you're probably at your lowest, I would say at that point, because it's had to have triggered a change in you. At that point, what did you kind of realize you needed to do in order to heal yourself? Or how did you even recognize that maybe the behavior that you had or the things that you had tried to mask, used to mask in the past, weren't going to work moving forward in the future? Like, what did that look like? Mm, um, Great question. And I mean, I feel you'll probably see this with a lot of women that you work with as well, because of the fitness influence that your social media has. And we can have a beautiful body from embodiment and being like, I deserve to eat really healthy and I deserve to love myself and move my body. But I could never get to that place. I could only do it from a place of pain of I need to fit in. Therefore, I will strip my diet and I'll move my body in a certain way so that then people will like, love and accept me. And I just kept of being on the wagon, off the wagon, on the wagon, off the wagon. Every time I fell off, it felt more and more and more painful than ever before. And like you said, it compounds over time. So every time the crash would come, it's like every limiting belief would fly up in front of me. And at 25, I was sitting there thinking, how am I attracted to drama? Like, Why can't I just be normal like everyone else? I see other women with beautiful, healthy bodies. Like, What is wrong with me? Why do I feel compulsed to eat or compulsed to restrict? I can't understand what is going on for me. And I think at that point, I really noticed a pattern of I kept going to the same places to try and fix myself, whether it was to fit in in society, to have a certain boyfriend that would tell me that I'm good enough, to have a certain body that would make me feel good enough, a job title that would make me feel good enough. And I realized it's all external. And so at this point, I thought to myself, I've tried every kind of thing that society tells us makes us happy. Like if I've got the body and that wasn't good enough, and then I lose, I gain weight and then I lose weight again. And it's this never-ending cycle of no matter how thin I get or how fit I get, I still don't feel good enough. So that to me was kind of apparent that, well, whatever I think I'm chasing isn't even going to bring me the happiness I think is on the other side of it. So at this point, I thought I need to try something different. And I was told that very, very successful people have coaches and mentors. And at the time, I thought, well, maybe if I'm successful in my career and entrepreneurship, I will feel happy from within. And I was told that career-driven women women and people get mentors and do workshops and coaching and all of these things. So I thought, well, I'll just try that. And that was really my first step into something alternative than what society has told us to do. And I entered into the world of personal development and it kind of opened my eyes up to vulnerability and people experiencing pain and people experiencing the truth of their experience or people sharing People who to me looked really successful, I thought success would be the pinnacle of happiness and being able to see in these rooms that I would enter very uh, successful people on the outside feel very empty on the inside. And this kind of showed me, whoa, all humans go through this. This isn't a Beck unique thing. And I get to I get to continue to explore here because there's something I knew I intuitively had a feeling I'm onto something and I don't know where it is or how far away it is. But rooms like these is how I'm going to be able to move through this. Mm. It's um okay, so it's really funny you say that because that's what I've experienced in my life as well, is that sometimes we go through life and we make choices. And like you mentioned, attracting drama in your life. And you're not even quite aware of the energy that you're putting out and those beliefs that you're 
thinking and feeling about yourself that is attracting that within your life. And just like you, I can definitely relate in that sometimes it takes something external and whether that is a mentor or whether that is whoever in your life or just someone to speak something to say, hey, I actually can recognize this in you that you have to stop and think, ah, okay, like maybe this is what's going on internally. And I think it's so much easier to grasp and reach for things that can distract us from what's actually happening inside. But until we recognize why we are doing what we're doing, it never stops. Something that you mentioned, which I found was really interesting, um, was talking about sort of fitness and bodybuilding and like restricting and then overeating and using food for medicine or restricting food. And something I always talk to my girls about is like your goal body or your dream body is not going to make you happy. Being skinny isn't going to make you happy. And it's a hard uh, point to convey because a lot of women don't believe that. And they might say, yeah, that's easy for you to say, but it is so incredibly true because you take you, your person, your soul, your beliefs with you, regardless of what your vessel looks like or how successful you are, even in business. And that just, you know, really touches on the fact that you got people that have got a lot of money, people that have got a lot of influence, people that have accomplished a lot and they can be completely miserable. Because ultimately it comes down to how you perceive yourself and how you feel about yourself. Okay, so from there, I'm assuming you worked with a coach or a mentor in some capacity. How did they guide you through, I guess, figuring out like these limiting beliefs or why you were attracting drama in your life or why you were having these, you know, you were doing these things or creating habits for yourself that were kind of really detrimental to your health? Where did that start and how did you start to address that? So that took years. I won't lie to anyone that's looking for a quick fix. I mean, I, I'm i 34 now and I would say, you know, it really all started to hit me four years ago where the work started to become integrated. So that's five years of doing the work and I wouldn't say not getting a result but not being where I wanted to be on my path. But it started with a workshop and then it started with another workshop and each person led me to another mentor. I also went on a big self-healing journey of believing that plant medicine and ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms would heal me naturally and I would never have to even tell anyone about the truth of any of my experiences, specifically the herpes virus. I thought I would die with that in my grave. But finally, um, I found this woman online. Her name was Alexi Panos and she would share these videos that I was obsessed with watching. I would just watch them on repeat. I was so attracted and magnetized to this woman, to her expression, her energy. And she reminded me of me when I was lit up on the inside. And her and her now husband, Preston Smiles, who is my now mentor, brought their work to Perth and I ended up in their workshop room. And that workshop changed my life forever. So from that point, that's where everything shifted. That's where I found my aligned friends. That's where I found my mentor. Like her husband is now my mentor and has been for five years. That's where I quit my corporate job and started my own activewear. That's where I closed down my activewear and started my coaching business in the heat of the pandemic. That's where I went from 120K a debt to making $30,000 in my first month of business. Just everything blew up from finding them, but it had been a long journey of stepping stones to find my way to them. Um, And 
Preston, how he worked with me, I would call it an edging process. You don't go from, oh, my God, I think if I share about this, like I used to not even be able to have the word herpes come out of my mouth. It was so insanely true. Like it would get blocked. I would, I would write it to you, but there was no way I could say it. Mm. And so you don't just go from not ever being able to talk about it or wanting to die with it in your grave with you to all of a sudden being Beck Antonich on the internet being like, hey, yeah, I test positive for herpes. So it was a slow process of working with my nervous system building my somatic body that could hold the depth of vulnerability that I share with people now. So it took time. It took a lot of intention. It took community and support. Um, and yeah, I would just say an edging process to create the kind of result for my life that I was desiring to have and hold. Yeah, that is so, so powerful. And it's true, isn't it? Like when we are stuck in that mindset of being desperately unhappy, sometimes we take desperate measures to try to feel happy. But the truth is, is like it is a process and it really does take time and patience and consistency and having the right people around you is so incredibly pivotal. So I think I'm reading um, a book at the moment called Tools of the Titans. So you've, I'm not sure if you've heard mm-hmm. of that. Anyway, it's a little, um, I guess, pieces of advice from people that are quite successful that have achieved a lot. And I don't remember who, it was a chapter, I don't remember who the guy was, but he was some guy in the army, right? And he said the way that he deals with setbacks or things in his life that are difficult is he says, he calls them just good. So when someone says, you know, what are we going to do in this situation? He goes, well, we're going to use it. Uh, That situation has come about and it's good. And he just uses good, 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 good all the time. And he talks about how, everything that happens to us gives us the opportunity to learn and to actually create something good. And that's not to mitigate and say that when horrible things happen in our lives or hard things, like the stuff that you've been through, it's going to be easy. But you've got two options. It's going to suck either way, right? And what you do is you either play victim and you wallow in that or you choose to see the good and you go, this is going to be really difficult, but there's going to be good that comes out of this, which is exactly what you're doing at the moment. And they're the, they're the two options that we have in life in whatever we go through. But that's really hard because I feel like playing victim feels really good and in some way serves us, whether it's we can continue to feel sorry for ourselves or we can continue on with habits and living a lifestyle that actually doesn't serve us because the hard thing is change, right, is actually changing our habits. So throughout that process, like you were saying, it wasn't easy and it didn't happen overnight. I guess what lessons did you learn along the way that helped you to continue on even on your really hard days? Mm, I love that. And I just pulled up something that I wrote down. This is literally from Alexi in a course that I'm in with her and Preston. And it says, and I thought it was very relevant to what you were sharing, behind every problem there is a question trying to reveal itself. Behind every question there is an answer trying to reveal itself. Behind every answer, there is an action trying to take place. And behind every action, there is a way of life trying to be born. And I love that. So good. Yeah, that's amazing. The victim, I mean, the the benefit, there's always a secondary gain. And the victim is keeping us stuck small and in avoidance of the hard thing that we think. The ego believes that we're going to die doing the hard thing. If everyone was to know that Becca Antonucci texts positive for herpes, Oh my God, like there's so many stories attached to that and the, and the body believes it to be true. The ego knows that part of her is dying in that moment and prevents us. So I don't do the hard, courageous thing. 
but that just further perpetuates so much more pain in my life until I lean in. So, you know, the lessons were number one, doing the hard thing is actually the easy thing. Like I was sure that having that word come out of my mouth was going to ruin my life. But in fact, it was the thing that saved me from the pain that I was living in, uh, that we can't do things by ourselves. We need to get help. We get to ask for support. We deserve to receive. As women, we desire to receive. Sexually, we we desire to receive. In all parts of life, we desire to receive, which means we get to be the courageous ones that use our voice and actually ask for the help and the support that we need. Um, What else? The avoidance of emotional pain only further manifests more pain in our life. The more that I ran from the stories I created when I was 14, the more it further perpetuated a pain cycle in my everyday reality. Um, Number four, like vulnerability is such a strength and a superpower. People think it makes, people have some kind of story that it makes us weak or that people can take advantage of that. But really it's, it's a deep sense of strength and certainty within the self. And vulnerability has the potential to create deep, meaningful connections and relations with other people. Mm. People are sick of lack of authenticity and surface level friendships and relationships. Women come to me all the time. I want the depth of intimacy in relationship but they're not prepared to be emotionally intimate and vulnerable. Well, the thing that you you want is a thought, like is your access point to you having everything that you desire mm. if you're willing to walk through that courageous door and to the ego it feels scary. But, yeah, that would be my top five lessons. Ah, that's powerful. It's like I could probably go for another 50, but I'll stop there. (laughs) Well, I think we could each one that you said, it's like we could really expand on each one in a lot of depth. But I think the vulnerability one's a really important one because we do fear opening up ourselves because vulnerability we can sometimes mistake as weakness for ourselves. I can say that when I see someone be vulnerable, they say something that's vulnerable or they take action that's vulnerable. I truly have nothing but respect. And I would say 99% of the population feel that way. And you immediately recognize in yourself what that person is struggling with and how you've struggled with that because it's the human experience. We've all, you know, our lives look different, but ultimately the emotions that we feel, that fear, which majority of these negative emotions will boil down to us fearing in some capacity that's just universal and when we can see that in someone we admire the fact that they own that and they can vocalize that and I think the longer we we keep that a secret we become shameful and you know more shame shame breeds shame right and then you live in this this life where you feel like you need to protect who you actually are because you're afraid of judgment, you're afraid of the opinions of others, and you're really holding back from creating those really vulnerable, strong relationships, deep relationships that we all as humans really desire. Well, they say, my my mentor says this person all the time, what is most universal is most what is most personal is most universal. Mm. So when it comes, for example, with the herpes virus, it's so common. Like I get me too. I could never shame myself, even if my ego wanted to be like, oh, bitch, you're awful. I get so many me too's every single day of my life that I could never again shame or wrong myself for this experience. Plus I've done the work on the shame to heal and move through it. But what I find most funny about that certain uh, situation, that life experience, is my ego had me literally convinced that I was the only beautiful woman in Australia with it. But there's thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of us. But my ego had me in the deep belief, it's only me. So when it came to my disordered eating and the bulimia and compulsively eating food at 22, 23, I also had myself convinced, it's only me. 
well, I'm sure that you know firsthand it's a very common conversation. What's most personal is most universal. And the more that we're willing to lean into it and share truthfully about our human experience, the more opportunity we have, A, to create permission for other people to share and, B, to create full circle healing for someone to say, me too, and I see you in your pain. And I'd love to help you and support you through it because I've gone through this too. Mm. That's um, really, really powerful. I think uh, I've, it's Brene Brown that talks about having, I think it's called a guilt or no, a vulnerability hangover where whenever mm-hmm. you are vulnerable, when it happens, it even happens with me, I'm sure you've had it as well, where you share something and then you think, oh shit, should I have, <laughs> I wish I didn't say that. Or you go to sleep and you overthink it and you think, oh my goodness, what are people going to think? And that's when those intrusive thoughts pop in and you go, uh-uh, like, no, you know, I'm in control of every decision that I make. And ultimately I know that by sharing and being vulnerable, like you said, you're going to be able to make much more of a greater impact. And I was even thinking with you as a coach and for myself as well, in order for anybody to trust me and for any of our girls to approach us to want to work with us or any of your clients to approach you and want to work with you, they need to trust you. And how do you build trust? You build trust by being vulnerable and being open so people can resonate and go, hey, you know, Beck really has been in a situation that I've been in or she's felt something I have felt. I'm drawn to her. And that's when things in your life, and like you said, success comes to you because you're open and you're willing to be able to share and not put up this front and serve Mm -hmm. the ego that you've got it all together because none of us, none of us have it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those who say that they do are lying oh absolutely <laughs> and I think it's so easy for us to look at other people so like you mentioned you got into I'm not sure if it was like a mastermind or if you were working with uh, a business coach and sometimes we look at people that have it all right they've got all of the success mm-hmm. and from my, um, I guess the girls that we work with, you know, they all compare themselves to other people on Instagram or girls on Instagram that they think are really beautiful or they've got the body that they want. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, I know some of these girls and I know that they're miserable, like so completely miserable. And we think all of these external things are what going to validate us and make us feel good about ourselves when, in fact, really that comes down to doing that inner work and the hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I think it's important to remind the self in those moments, like, I don't know what I don't know. I can create assumption and judgment about people's lives, but... I have lots of friends that look like very happy couples on the internet and behind closed doors are absolutely not. I know lots of people with perfect Instagram fitness bodies who hate what they eat, hate their food, hate their exercise and are deeply fearful of changing the direction of their life because they've shaped an identity around their fitspo appearance. I know plenty of people who say they've got successful businesses and are supporting other people to build businesses and they're financially suffering or financially stressed. Um, and so it's very easy to judge a book by its Instagram cover, but just to remind yourself, we really don't know what we don't know. And I think it's probably one of the things that I don't love about Instagram is we can be having a really great day and then scroll and see someone else living this big life that we don't even actually want to live. You know, it's okay if you do amazing and it's okay if it's pointing you towards your desires, incredible, but it's probably not okay if that's not even the life that you want to live and the life that you're with, you have, you're beautifully satisfied with at, in the time and then see someone else doing something and then go into comparison and then go into judgment and then go into thinking that you're not doing enough and desire a life that was never even meant for you in the pe- mm. first place. So just remembering that when you're scrolling social media that 
we as women get to be so conscious of the environments that we place ourselves in, including the online world and the kind of content that we digest and absorb. Sometimes unfollowing and protecting your mental health and your emotional well-being is the best thing you can do to support yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Even I do that. I actually love the fact that I'm more a producer in the social media space opposed to a consumer. I really don't search Instagram as much as I usually do because I'm only on there for work purposes, which has actually been such a blessing. But I have found that as soon as I start to scroll Instagram, I don't feel good about myself. And like you said, you can be having the greatest day and then you land on something and you think, oh, and you realize that maybe this part of your life isn't going great or you just begin to compare, right? And from feeling really great, you can feel really crappy pretty quickly. And it is, it's about being really mindful of what you feed your mind because your thoughts and what you visually take in and even what you hear as well is going to impact how you're feeling in your mood. And I think just limiting what you see and how often you see it is like, what we need. But the hard thing about that and social media and Instagram is it's also very addictive. So it's a habit that can be really hard, right? But a lot of your women resonate with the fitness conversation, right? Yeah. It's no different to being like, okay, I could go to the fridge and like chocolate's addictive. I personally love chocolate. I love salted caramel, anything. And I know if I go to the fridge and eat that all day long, I'm going to feel like absolute shit. I know if I have it for dessert, sometimes I'm going to really enjoy it. And then if I want to work out tonight and I've eaten salted caramel chocolate all day long, I'm probably going to have a shitty workout. Mm. And it's no different to being like, well, if I want to live my life and I'm constantly consuming content that is not good for me, what kind of energy do you think I'm going to bring to my day versus if I had some amount of healthy discipline and structure and routine, just like your women probably have around their exercise regime, how much food they eat and don't eat, what they eat and don't eat. It's no different being like if I go on Instagram for 30 minutes, not the first hour of the day, read a book instead, don't scroll, I'm going to have so much more energy for the rest of my life. It's really no different. We are absorbing, we are consuming, whether it's food, energy, time with other people, mentors, personal trainers, nutrition coaches, whoever it is, we are absorbing that. Is it working for us or not? Mm. Oh, 100%. I'm thinking about you back back before, like maybe in your early 20s, and this is the issue I think most women, I'm just going to talk for women here, come um, up against when it comes to that is choosing things that are going to be good for them and feed them. And the issue is, is if you've got such low self-esteem, sometimes we are drawn to things that are going to really confirm how crappy we feel about ourselves. And so it's this horrible situation and cycle of feeling like you're worth nothing and then feeding your mind with negativity and this horrible negative narrative and then also reinforcing that by allowing yourself to view images like that. It's this self-destructive cycle that a lot of women get into and you know, it sounds to me, and I know because I was the exact same as well in my 20s, is that when you when you choose to better yourself and choose to be your own best friend and get on that path and it doesn't happen overnight, that's when you really almost have the strength and the discipline to be able to cut that sort of stuff out and really look for things that are going to feed your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, amen to that. And I don't really have anything else to add to that except (laughs) amen. We just get to be women so conscious of the environments that we put ourselves in, that we only put ourselves in environments that really support us to flourish and thrive. 
And just remember, like what I said about my five top lessons, doing the hard thing is actually the easy thing. We're getting some kind of temporary secondary gain by reaching for the social media or reaching for the food that we don't actually want to put in our body or avoiding doing the challenging thing. But long-term, that's creating more pain for us. So creating a healthy relationship with discipline and structure and why, what our values are so we can take action from our values, not from our ego or not from avoidance. That's going to support us to really amplify our lives in a beautiful way. Awesome. What a great place to end the podcast episode. All right, Beck, where can everybody find out about you? I know you're on a few platforms. Where should they go? Biggest way to find me is over on Instagram, Beck Antonucci. You have to type my full name because I'm often in Instagram jail. So unless you type the entire You're naughty. Yeah, I literally haven't done anything lately, so I have no idea what's up. And I also have my podcast, Real Real and Vulnerable. It has an IG handle as well. So you're welcome to find me at both places and I'll always be the woman to respond. Awesome. I'll make sure they're linked in the podcast show notes. Thank you so much for joining us, Beck. Loved it. <laughs>